What's up? This is Aleko Eskandarian, and you're listening to the RFK Refugees Podcast. Now Echeverry. Echeverry again. Slots it for Steve Rebel. Red for Arce. Into the net. Into the net. Oh, into the net. Up top for Boscovich. Nails running in the middle. Coming down. Welcome in, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, RFK Refugees podcast, special stay-at-home quarantine edition, RFK Refugees podcast. We are still quarantined at our houses, um, and uh, but we have a very special guest on the line. Um, it, it is only in the net when he says it's in the net. Uh, Mr. Uh, Dave Johnson. Dave, welcome to the show. Yeah, well, that's I laugh at that because years ago, my good friend Rob Carlin, who's a great capitalist broadcaster, was doing sideline for DC United, and he tried to call a goal call, but it was called because it was offside, and and I had to point out to him as this goal was happening as we threw him on the sideline. It's only in the net when I say it's in the net. <laughs> it was not in the net; it was offside. I, I remember that. But moment. thank you for having me. I, I remember that moment. I've probably watched more DC than than any uh, any man would want to admit. Um, so. Um, yeah. But uh, welcome to the show. Uh, John's also here, by the way, people. John, how are you? Hi, everybody. How are you? I'm, I'm also here. <laughs> John's also here. Trust me, it won't be like the Leco interview where I took like half the interview. We're going we're gonna to try to share this, share this a little bit. Um, let, let, let's go ahead and get started, Dave. Uh, it's, yeah, we're on the 25th season of DC. You've been there since the beginning. I mean, do, when you sat in that booth with Gordon Bradley calling the game against Tampa Bay, I want to say, for the for the first game, that's what I, I want to say. It was Tampa Bay. Uh, no, uh, the, the first game was uh, not the correct you, but was was actually the L.A. L.A. was uh, that that first home game. But the famous game was uh, well, that was a great season for so many reasons. But that Tampa Bay game you reference, you know, we'll, we'll never forget because it was a, a tropical storm. <laughs> literally, a tropical storm was leaving D.C. and twenty thousand fans still showed up, and we beat Tampa Bay one nothing. And Carlos Valderrama got a red card, and it was it was just an emotional night, but. Not to interrupt, but uh, to your question, it was it was a very special night getting in that booth for the first time. So, I mean, just kind of reflect, like, did you ever, I mean, do you ever think you would be, you know, sitting here 20, 25 years later, you know, still calling DC United games? I mean, it, there was still a lot of questions about whether MLS would even survive. Well, uh, absolutely not. And, and um, not that I didn't think it would be possible uh, to be 25 years, but that's why we started this conversation. Uh, I'm so grateful that, that you're spending some time with me tonight and we're, we're talking about uh, D.C. United and soccer because um, uh, it, it's a situation where, uh, you know, I grew up as a, as a fan of, of the NASL, not to, to bore people with that story, but uh, became such a, a, a fan of the Washington Diplomats and all of a sudden it was taken away. And, uh, you know, I remember uh, as I got out of college in 1986 and I was publishing a, a soccer magazine with another guy named Jack Shipley in Baltimore and we're doing whatever we could to, uh, to promote the game that the APSL starts with the, the Maryland Bays. And, and, it, you know, if we had 2000 people on a sunny day, we were doing backflips. Um, there were, there were a lot of years there where you thought this is just, you know, never, never going to take off again, because look, there were some glory years with the, um, uh, um, you know, NASL with the, with the sellout crowds and, and that type of thing. And, and, uh, but it was it was just so lean at, at that point. Uh, I still remember, and and it was emotional. I think for Gordon to be in that stadium, uh, you know, that night for our first DC United game, because when I was doing the the Washington Stars, uh, Gordon's team that, that played in, in Fairfax, Virginia, we were coming back from a road trip. It would have been in 1990 in Florida, and, and we had played the believe it or not the Fort Lauderdale Strikers. Mm-hmm. And in those days, you you played two games on a weekend. We played the Miami Sharks and, and Fort Lauderdale Strikers. And, and as we were coming in for the landing at Dulles Airport, he, all he could see was, you know, soccer fields. Uh, and, and he turned to me and said, well, at least we did something right. And it was a very melancholy moment because um, everyone was playing the game, but we were not a, a, a soccer nation in terms of some fan support. And so fast forward to where we are now, but fast forward to what Gordon and I were able to enjoy in 1996 with with the wonderful support right out of the gate and the, and the supporters groups and, and the way the, the uh, uh, fans 
and supporters embraced DC United from the start. It's very emotional for me. I mean, this was, um, you know, I've told the story before that, that you know, soccer and, and the NASL at that time was, was kind of like um, my link to, to joy and happiness because, you know, my mom had passed away from multiple sclerosis at, at 15. Uh, it, 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 one of her great, last great memories with her was at a, a Washington Diplomats game. Uh, and, and again, that was taken away. And so now to come full circle and to have what we have back and, and this, this, this relationship and, and community uh, that we feel as everyone that, that supports DC United, you, you better believe that night with Gordon Bradley was special. Uh, this night with you guys is special. I never, ever, ever take for granted one night, one game, because I remember what it was like before. And certainly 25 years ago, you were not likely thinking about being on podcasts, as that would have been very prescient of you <laughs> no. to be able to do that. Um, and, 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 you know, listeners of the podcast will know, you know, Ted Ted was was there from the start. I was I, I got there a little bit later. I missed all of the glory years, but still sort of, you know, my two entrees uh, into DC United were, you know, going going to my first game and then, you know, hearing you on, I think it was probably Comcast Sports. And it might not have been HDS. I think I may have skipped that, uh, that, that era, but. Basically, you know, another sort of a reminiscing question is that, you know, you've been around the team since the inception, like we just said, and you've seen the highest of highs and the lowest of lows, which are the, also, you know, where I got into DC United, those lows parts. And I think the change and the evolution of the club has been obvious in a lot of ways, obviously from stadium, from moving stadiums, from change in ownership to the type of players we're bringing in. And I think that, you know, a lot of people can see those large scale changes, but as someone who's been very close to the action and has seen every home game, at least, and, and probably a lot of the other games too, uh, what are some sort of harder to perceive changes in the way the team has been run or the just sort of the, you know, what your experience has been uh, broadcasting them uh, over the years and sort of now where we're landing here in, in 2020 at, at uh, Audi Field? Well, I, I think um, all throughout, um, what's really struck me is, is uh, you know, the, 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 you know, from the start, the, the commitment of, of, you know, people like Kevin Payne and, and the front office, uh, to, to launch a DC United. And, uh, you know, we, we had to, uh, um, again, in, in, in 1996, uh, as you know, and as you, you referenced in the earlier question, uh, there was a lot of doubts. I mean, people thought, all right, the World Cup, that was great. Look, we're the United States. We can host an Olympics. We can do any kind of event. Uh, yeah, we checked that box before, but you're going to try to run a pro league. And, and running a pro league, is a bigger challenge, whatever sport it is, because it's not just a condensed one month of that event. It's like, are right, you going to get people to buy in to really be with you on the journey? Uh, and that's what was was created from the start. And then, you know, throughout, when you think about it, we've had some some, you know, terrifically supportive uh, owners. Uh, you know, you know, Will Chang during that period where, where he was involved, and, and now what what Eric Tohir and Jason Levy have done. I don't think, uh, you know, and now that the group has increased with, with Steve Kaplan and others, uh, I don't I don't think it, it, it can be overstated how much uh, the importance of what has happened over the last eight years uh, to this, this club, because Major League Soccer has become truly Major League and, and, and Big League. We needed uh, to have an ownership group that was uh, able uh, to make a stadium happen in the nation's capital. And I, I still, uh, as I walk up for every home game, uh, it, it's amazing to me that, that, you know, we're not only in the nation's capital, Forbes magazine says we're in the coolest neighborhood, one of the coolest neighborhoods on the planet. We're at the point where the Anacostia and Potomac uh, come together. It, it is so hard to get things done in, in DC. And that's not a slight on DC. It's just for a lot of reasons, it's hard to get, stuff done, you know, ask the folks in New York uh, as they try to get a stadium done inside New York City. Ask the folks in Boston. It, you know, when you're talking about a major uh, northeastern city, for lack of a better term, it's, it's hard to get it done. And this ownership got it done. And that was a critical component to making DC United, quite frankly, viable. Uh, make no mistake. Uh, you know, my gut feeling is that if, if you don't have that commitment from Jason Levian and, and he's able to, to, to form the ownership group, uh, you know, you could have had another San Jose situation where they moved to Houston uh, because there, there was going to be a time where we ran out of time. Unfortunately, that that didn't happen. We have our own stadium. And because of that, uh, you know, we certainly saw it with with the 
the signing of Wayne Rooney that opened up a lot of eyes, and, and I think you're, you're continuing to, to see it with the money that was spent in this offseason that now we have a, a, a proper place to play going forward. Not that RFK, not that RFK wasn't proper and will always be near and dear to my heart. Again, I, I went there in my childhood, but you know we can be competitive in this Major League Soccer uh, landscape, and, and that uh, is critical because you know fortunately, and it's a good thing, this league is only getting bigger and better. Have you noticed, you know, you're you're definitely certainly around, you know, sports reporters and, you know, I'm not asking you to, to name names, but I'm sure there were, you know, there had to be some people that, you know, were like, oh, soccer, you know, soccer's never going to make it here. Since, I guess, since the transition to this new stadium, has there been sort of a change that you've noticed amongst, you know, colleagues in the sports media that, hey, this this thing is viable, this thing's here to stay, and also it's a lot of fun and, and we should we should be a part of it. Have you noticed a change from, from no, that? No, no question. Yeah, no question. I think that, look, that was, I think, what was missing. We, we loved RFK, and, RFK, and we must remember – and we do remember that, that in the early years uh, of, of D.C. United in the, the 90s, uh, you know, RFK was still very much <laughs> the best place to, to see a soccer game uh, in this country. And that's why the national team came here. That's why you, you always had the national television broadcast coming here because the D.C. United supporters brought it from day one. Uh, and and uh, you know, I always tell the story about it when we played a game against uh, Glasgow Celtic and, and some Scottish writers, you know, said to me, um, you know, what's the support going to be like? And it was a, a hastily arranged, uh, I say hastily, it was quickly. It was after the World Cup in 2006. Uh, Celtic was coming through. We did a game at RFK. It was a rainy night. And they said, well, what's it going to be like? And, and I, I said, well, don't worry. They'll bring it. D.C. United supporters will bring it. And that's the only time, or, or, or the beauty is it's not the only time that is Dave Johnson, I get to feel like Brian Johnson, the lead singer of ACDC, because I told him, oh, they're going to bring it. And sure enough, at halftime, those Scottish reporters came over to me and said, you're right, because the stands were bouncing and the place was rocking. And that's when I felt like a lead singer of AC, ACDC, because I, I knew the band was going to show up and it was going to bring it, uh, you know, loud and proud. So, um, you know, I, I think that's, that's uh, you know, I just forgot. What, what was the question again? I just <laughs> forgot the question. I'm sorry. I'm thinking so sidetracked. I get excited talking about DC United. Well, I, mean, I think you kind of, I mean, I think you, you, you sort of answered a little bit, I guess, sort of with the transition to the new stadium. Now it's like, okay, DC has a permanent foothold in. in right. Have you noticed a change, right. I guess, in. in no, uh, yeah. And that's, and that was what we were losing. And what I started to say at, at RFK was um, we were losing some of the audience that, you know, did you want to bring your date out to RFK? Was it going to be a, a cool, you know, hip place to play, uh, a place to be? And, and look, that helps every um, sport. Uh, you know, the, the Capitals, uh, as they had their great rise, you know, not only with their play, but as, as they, they picked up the fans because of their play. It's not because suddenly this became, a you know, overnight a hockey brilliant city. It just was a place to to be, and then once you got there, and and then you want to be more part about the game and learn the game. The same is happening uh, with, with DC United, and you know I, I think about my colleagues at you know NBC4, WTOP that you know will say, man, that Audi Field, that, that experience was incredible. I can't wait to take my kids again. And and these were people that didn't go uh, to games before, and and um, you know you, you're starting to within newsrooms. I, I think about. Um, you know, uh, last year, the the opening game, there were a lot of different sports going on. and But it was our opener, the frozen opener against uh, <laughs> against Atlanta. And, and the, the next morning, I, I was deciding, you know, why should I, you know, I should leave with D.C. United at that point and over something else. And, you know, 20 years ago, you, that, you never would have been able to bring that up. But, you know, people in the newsroom, the editors, 25, 30 years old, are saying, oh, you know, all my friends are talking about D.C. United. You didn't hear that. Uh, 20 years ago, 20 years ago, you really had to to justify uh, coverage. I remember one morning I, I led uh, with a open cup game, and uh, the news director comes to me and says, "You know, what what kind of crowd did DC United get?" And I said, "Well, they're averaging about 18,000 a game." And he said, oh, "Okay, you know," and he walked away. Uh, you know, I was kind of skirting the truth because for that open cup game, they only had 2,000. Right. But you you don't get those questions. Um, now because uh you know we've we've got the consistent audience and and that's you know that's it's still a battle to um you know it, it's still considered the you, you hear the phrase of the, the the four major sports and 
um, as I tell people all the time, look, when you have a league that's been around 25 years, that is averaging 20,000 a game, that has the stadiums that has, you know, I, I think it's time we, we get rid of, you know, we don't have to say the big five. We don't have to say the five major sports, but, but I don't think it's any more, it's accurate anymore to say we only have four major professional sports leagues in this country. By any metric, in my mind, Major League Soccer is very much major. Yeah, we we obviously agree. Uh, so, <laughs> sort of sort of a joke question: Do you miss the angles and the positioning and the lack of sun at RFK, or is the lack of wasps and raccoons uh, make Audi Field a better uh, situation for you? Yeah, I uh, we uh, you know it, the, the broadcast professional would would come out and, and me and John Archis and Tito Granato, whoever was uh, Garth Lagerway, Thomas Rangan, whoever's in that booth with me. At, at RFK that we would have to continue broadcasting sometimes while wasps were swirling around you. And, um, you know, it just makes you realize that, that, uh, you know, as a broadcaster, you'll, you'll just keep talking through anything, regardless of the fact that wasps could probably hurt you, you know, and if it was in, just in the street, I would be swatting and running for cover. But, um, uh, yeah, so I, you know, I, I don't miss the, the, the wildlife at RFK, uh, the, the beauty of RFK, there, there's going to be, we're always going to have RFK, and 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 now we're creating. Now now you're feeling it. Now you're sensing it. We're we're creating, you know, Audi Field memories. Uh, yeah, I mean, uh, you know, certainly the the goal that we play over and over again with with the the Rooney tackle to to accost the game winner, or you know, all those memories are are, are starting to happen. I, I think about. It, I understand it didn't end well, but but this is a, this is what gets you excited. Uh, about the future and what this this club means and can mean to the city, you know that game, uh, the playoff game in November uh, against Columbus. While it didn't end well, you couldn't get a ticket to that game. You could not get a ticket to that game. That place was filled. It was a it was a the, the atmosphere was tremendous. Um, and and that's that that's for me another Audi Field memory. Not because of the result, but because all right, you know, let's start to have more playoff games at home and in, in the cold of. You know, uh, maybe not November, maybe November uh, this year for other reasons. But um, uh, it, it's 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 coming that it's going to be a, a very special venue. It is a special venue now, but but you're starting to feel it belong to us. Yeah, uh, particularly that game of the Columbus game. I remember somebody posted a video in their house. They live maybe a half a mile away, and when the goal scored, they posted audio of inside her apartment, and like the walls were shaking in her apartment blocks yeah. away. I was like, this yeah. is. This is what you're talking about. This is what you want to have happen. Um, sort of going right. from going from fighting wildlife uh, and uh, and other and other flying objects at RFK. Uh, what if it? This is a question that I think comes up a lot from people who are not in the business and people that are only watching, um, you know, occasionally or or don't have a big experience with it. But seeing someone uh, call a game remotely to the to the novice seems like a thing that would be almost impossible, like a very a real big challenge. And as you know. We understand a little bit now more that this is sort of commonplace in a lot of soccer leagues, MLS, MLS specifically. But so what are the challenges that you've experienced? And now you've done you've done this now for a long, long time. But what are the challenges of actually broadcasting a game remotely? And has, um, you know, has that has has the experience of calling a game changed for you? You know, DC United has been on four or five different stations at the time. Is it from your experience pretty much the same no matter who's? Um, who, where the game is, where the, where, you know, what network is, is hosting the games, or have there been changes and differences for you? You know, I, I think uh, I'll, I'll take the, the the last part. Just with, I think it's been great, and I hope people take advantage of it. That uh, you know, for the last, regardless of where we've been, whether it was, you know, obviously, again, it's our broadcast. It's a DC United broadcast. So as, as DC United has taken um, the broadcast inside. You know, since uh, 2016, we've had a consistent half hour, you know, pre and post game to, to amplify the coverage. And it's it's not just about the it's about the, not just about the time, but it's about you know, uh, well, I guess it is about the time. At the end of the day, we're fighting for for, for real estate and, and and a chance to to, to talk and, and express uh, about our game. And and uh, so from from that standpoint, I think. You know, we just try to keep making uh, the broadcast better, whether we're calling it remotely or 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 at, or at the stadium. And and so and, and that's you know not to discount over the years when when we had the great partnership with 
you know, HTS, Comcast Sports and NBC Sports Washington. Over the years, that, you know, that evolved and, and uh, you know, we, we would have more studio shows and, and, and that type of thing. But I, I think that's an important element to have um, shows beyond the game. And that's why it, it is so important to have this podcast, because if, if, <laughs> if we're just talking, if we're just having a game and that's it. And, and then people aren't talking about it on Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, you know, Thursday, then then you're, you're losing some of the, the connectivity that's so uh, essential. You think of what makes the, you know, the NFL so popular. It's not just the game on Sunday. Then, you know, everybody talks about it and debates it and, and all week long. And, and that we need to have that kind of culture in soccer. It's, it's the, the culture that exists, uh, needless to say, around the world. You, you know, you can only play one game a week, but you need to talk about it seven days a week or I shouldn't say need. You should want to talk about it seven days a week, and and but it's important to have the platforms uh, to do that. You know, from from a standpoint of uh, you know calling a game, you know, remotely. And it, again, it, it's it, it, the point is we've been able to get every game on uh, television the last few years, and and that's critical. As as you guys know, there's been some years where uh, there'd be a, a game and you couldn't couldn't watch it. So it's important to that's part of the connectivity that I just talked about. Uh, you know, if you want, and then not just for the hardcore supporters, but if you want people to get interested in your club, uh, you want them to, to start following every game. And that's how the person that comes to two games a year suddenly buys six tickets a year, six games a year, and then suddenly becomes season ticket holders. And suddenly, you know, they're painting their face, they're banging the drum, and they're getting the beer shower, and, and, and all is right with the world. Calling a game remotely. You know, the challenge is this. You don't know what's coming at you. I mean, think about how you go about your, your how we have this conversation. You're in control of, of what you see with your eyes because you're saying, well, I'm going to look to the left. I'll look to the right. And, you know, I'll know I'll, I'll look and see that you know, Dave Johnson hasn't shaved in three days. And, and you can tell that. Whereas when you're trying to call a game remotely, you don't know where the screen, uh, where the where the director is going to cut and, and where the shot is going to be. And, and you it is a it is a great exercise in, in concentration. You can't you can't uh, you know all of a sudden look around and it, because you might miss something. Um, and so it's it's uh, it's it, it is a um, uh, I say challenge. It's calling and talking about soccer. So it's the greatest job in the world. Uh, I should probably come up with a better phrase with that. But uh, we've got to be as locked in as the players. Uh, otherwise, we're going to miss something just like a player would miss something. So I wanted to sort of to maybe take a step back and talk about just the 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 sort of broadcasting soccer as a whole in, the, in this country because it, it certainly had there, there there have been sort of very very different you know philosophies that have sort of been brought forward and 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 I guess one of the things I was very frustrated I guess this was around like the mid two thousands was you know ESPN Fox Sports soccer as Fox Soccer Channel um, and even some some of the local MLS teams were sort of bringing in these. Uh, the, these sort of British, you know, I will say it, British voices. And I'm, I'm not saying that, you know, necessarily I'm, I'm against the idea of a British voice. I think Arlo White's fantastic. He was fantastic when he was calling MLS. Um, Adrian Heath does a really exceptional job. But it, it seems to me that, you know, I've always, I want, I want, you know, MLS to sort of get their own style, get your own style. And I guess, you know, hearing you, you know, you're certainly not some, you don't, you, you, you're, it's in the net call. The goal call is fantastic. And I love it. And every time I feel like I, there's a part of me, part of a DC goal that's missing when I don't hear that, um, when, when DC scores. Uh, so I wonder, you know, do you, do you certainly feel that, you know, in some cases when, when, you know, a network says, well, you know, we need Martin Tyler to come in, he should be calling these games. He's, he's British. He knows what he's doing. Do you ever feel that sort of sense or, or, or am, am I, maybe pulling a little bit too much, too much out of that argument. Yeah. I mean, you know, look, they're all, all, all fine broadcasters. And, 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 uh, um, uh, you know, I, I've always said in, and, and, uh, uh, for years, it, 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 there's not just one way soccer is the world's game. Football is the world's game. Uh, and it's not, it's not just one country. So it's, it's not just, England may have given the world soccer, but you know that doesn't mean that's the only way that you should broadcast it. That it's only it's the only way that, that you you know should have uh, that should be the only style, if if you will. Uh, you know, I I you know <laughs> obviously I'm an American and I, and I think that okay, this is our we should and that doesn't mean there shouldn't be British announcers. I'm not saying that, 
Uh, I'm just saying that, you know, just be authentic and, and, and we can have our own style. We don't need to, to, to copy, um, you know, anybody else's style that we're only with our own style, just by the fact that we're, we're an interesting amalgamation of, of, uh, of, of players. And, you know, that's why I don't, you know, people will say nil is a, is a soccer term. And I don't think nil is a soccer term. I think it's a British term and uh, maybe I'm wrong, but I mean, uh, that's why I'll say one, nothing. It's just because I don't, I don't go around saying, you know, nil in my ordinary life. So you, you, I just talk how I talk. Um, so I, I think, you, you, you know, it's what the public, um, uh, I guess accepts, but I, I don't think there, there, there needs to be the belief that the only thing they will accept in soccer is if it's, if it's called, uh, you know, by a British voice, that that's like if, if, you know, in, in, in leagues, if, if in England they started getting, you know, a big basketball league or whatever, that, that they could have their own voices calling that game. You, you wouldn't need to import um, American announcers to call basketball games in, in England because, you know, it's it, at the end of the day, it's, it's soccer. It's, it's not, uh, you know, that complicated. And we know the game. We don't need... Um, uh, you know, we don't need somebody to come over from uh, Europe or anyplace else to explain the game to us. Once upon a time, we did. Back in the, you know, back, you know, I have old tapes of uh, games in the 70s, and, and they would literally have to, well, up and even around the 94 World Cup, they were still explaining offside and, uh, you know, take, and the games were more like an education tape than a, than a play-by-play broadcast. So um, I, I think that, um you know, there was a, there was a, I remember there was a, a large argument that, you know, it's important to lay out and let a game breathe. It is. It's important to let every game uh, lay out and, and breathe, every sport rather, uh, because that's that's the point of television. You don't do it like I do both television. I obviously do the Washington Wizards radio play by play. It's two different disciplines. Um, so you, you don't talk as much in, in television. Having said that, you know, if, if you're trying to get people excited about a game, uh, in a stadium where it doesn't have that that built-in enthusiasm, you might need to to gin up things a little bit. And that's not saying to to falsely create um, uh, something, but but even though maybe the stadium atmosphere is not the greatest, that doesn't mean that the players are not still giving their all in the field. And that doesn't mean there's so many games within a game uh, going on. So. Um, you know, I don't know what the answer is, and certainly, uh, you know, it's, it, there's been the, uh, a wave of uh, uh, announcers that have, that have come over and from uh, Great Britain, and they they do a wonderful job. And at, at the end of the day, it's uh, at the end of the day, which I think is a British phrase. <laughs> you know, it's up to the, uh, the public to decide. But uh, I, I think the important thing is um, you 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 try to as a broadcaster. It's important. I always tell this to young broadcasters. Uh, just be yourself, be authentic, be who you are. Uh, don't try to say, well, I'm calling soccer. So then I'll, you know, let me throw in some phrases that I, that I got in the dictionary. Let me try to sound British because I think it's a British game. Because if, if you go around the world, every person experiences a soccer broadcast differently. Not every broadcast and sounds like a English broadcast. Yeah, and I think the biggest thing is 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 just the the care and intention. Um, you know, when Arlo White would call games, you know, he he's he came from 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 England, but I could tell he cared about the sport and he cared about the league and he was invested. And and that's what I what I've loved about you. I know when you're in the booth calling a game, I know you care. I know you do the research. Um, and and uh, and and that's what I've always appreciated. And that's what I appreciate about any broadcaster. Um, so is you know when I'm watching the game. Well, I- Go ahead. Right, exactly. It's important you want to look. We're in this together. It's it's a it's a the term is is broadcast, but it is it is meant to be a personal connection, and that's that's why you know uh, you know I love being at um, every DC United event, and and, and uh, because it, it, even though they throw me in a booth uh, during the game, I I, I don't want to be disconnected um, from. Uh, you and and everyone else, you, you, we're we're all in this together, and and that's what's been been uh, you know personally great for me uh, to be on this journey with DCI for 25 years because 
it really is like family. And I know that's a, that's a, that's a term you throw up all the time. It seems, but uh, I, I can not stress more that, that how sincere uh, it is for me to say that, that DC United going to be a part of it and with the supporters and, and the atmosphere that's created and the, and the passion and care really does feel like family. And you know what? It's darn good to, to care about something so much uh, that we want to wear jerseys. We want to scream and yell and nobody calls the cops. And then we <laughs> get together and we talk and, and we just celebrate the game. That's not a bad thing. And I think in these times more than ever, it makes us realize it's, it's nice to talk about this. Yeah, we talk about that all the time on the show and just, you know, over time is that this this team is different. Like this sport in this city and this team are different. Um, you know, you have you have great insight into a lot of the sports in this town and sort of just the the nature of fandom. You know, I'm a big Nationals fan. I would not say I'm part of a group when I'm at a Nationals game. I'm just with a bunch of Nationals fans. But if I'm in Audi Field or I'm RFK, it feels much more community oriented. It feels more like we are all connected. And I think that having you be the through point from 25 years ago to today, being there for all of those major moments, being there as the MC at, at, at the new stadium, or when Marcelo Gallardo got brought in or any of the things that happen over time with DC United, having that, having that singular connection point makes it even feel more like that family you're talking about. So we, we couldn't agree more. I have one more sort of announcing question that I've always been curious about is that, um, so, you know, teams, uh, uh, you know, uh, we'll go through, you'll go through the entire season where you're broadcasting the games. It's a great team and they're running away with it. They're in first place and you've been, you've been, you've been lucky to call these games where you've seen just awesome games and it's been a pleasure. And then they go to the playoffs and then that's it. You're basically, you're done. Now you're handing, you're handing off the baton now to some people that have seen some of the games maybe, but don't have that sort of close relationship you do with this particular team in this particular season. I know this is just part of the game and you've been going through it now forever, but what, what does that honestly feel like to sort of have to give something that you've helped shape that sort of the, you know, every season has sort of a narrative and has sort of a vibe to it. And you, you're a part of it when you're, when you're calling it. And then you have to be like, here you go. Here's this thing. Here's this thing yeah. that we've built uh, Please uh, enjoy it and don't break it. Well, uh, you know, it, it's, uh, you know, personally, it, it's, it's difficult, but, you know, <laughs> you certainly, again, getting back to, to my story, story in the game, that, um, uh, but I, I never lose appreciation of, of all of Major League Soccer's uh, partners, and, and nobody's putting a script in front of my head saying that. But, you know, let's face it, the, 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 the Foxes and the ESPNs and um, uh, the, the Univision's, you know, uh, their support is, is vital to the lifeblood of our league. And that, again, nobody put that in front of me to say, but I say that as somebody who has lived through leagues that failed, teams that failed, et cetera, et cetera. So I, I don't lose appreciation for, for, you know, why we need them and why they're such an important part of the equation. And I've, you know, been lucky enough to, to do some work over the years for, for uh, Fox. But, yeah, it is a – it's a tough thing, you know, not to, to cover, uh, you know, we've won a few MLS cups, right. But I've, I've never been able to, to call one of those uh, MLS cups. So yeah, that, that, uh, that's something I certainly have missed. I think about the, uh, the first one for, for, uh, in 96, uh, I was working at, at Fox five uh, in, in, here in DC as a, as a sportscaster as well. And I was sent up to cover, uh, you know, the, the, the events leading up to MLS cup. And then I, on a rainy Sunday morning, I had to get on a plane and fly back to D.C. And I was working that night at Fox 5 as a, as a sports anchor. Um, so I worked that entire amazing journey of, uh, of 1996. And we did a weekly show in the, uh, the hot summers out at the park at, at, by Dulles Airport. And uh, you, you, as you just described, you go through everything. And now here, here's the moment. Um, and I'm, I still remember the rainy morning. I'm like, well, I wish I could be enjoying this and, and calling this game, but but I'm I'm heading back to uh, uh, host the Sunday Night Redskins show. Um, so uh, it's you know it, 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 because we we are uh, as as local broadcasters so invested in the team. It's just like a fan who um, been with it through the whole way, and then you know, well, no, you can't come to the championship game. So that, you know, that's, that's 
it, it, I wish I uh, have an MLS Cup on my resume. The only MLS Cup I ever called, believe it or not, was at RFK Stadium. Um, but it was a, it was for radio and, and I'm trying to, even, it was, MLS was doing a radio broadcast over and I called it. It was when, um, was it 07? Kansas City. No, not 07. Sorry. Uh, no, no, it was before that. It was 2000. I want to say, mm. this is bad. I'm starting to forget who was, I think it, I want to say it was Kansas Casey in Chicago. Chicago. Yeah. I was in that. I was at that yeah, game. <laughs> right. And I remember that they gave us a, you talk about the wildlife at RFK stadium. They, they gave us a booth at the, or it wasn't even a booth. It was a desk uh, at the very top of the upper deck of RFK Stadium. Um, and, and there was some wildlife that was up there because in 2000, I don't think anybody but raccoons had been up in that portion of, of, of uh, the upper deck at RFK Stadium. Let's. Uh, I want to. I want to get some of your thoughts. Uh, obviously, uh, th- this is going to be a weird year in 2020. There, there's no question about it. You know, it's un. I mean, they MLS is saying May 10th. Who knows? You know, if you know if if that's going to happen with with what sort of what's going on in the world. But you know, I, I do. I do want to sort of get a sense. What what are sort of you know your thoughts about this 2020 DC United team? Obviously, a lot of wholesale changes different players coming in. What is, you know, any sort of thoughts you've had sort of watching this team in preseason or, you know, even the first two games um, where, where they, where we got to sort of see what, what Ben was trying to do. Uh, You know, I'm not going to be, I'm not going to lie. There's some people that are, that are uh, maybe a little down on this year. Um, I think after how 2019 went, do you, do you, do you feel the same way or, or do you think there, there's reason to be hopeful? Um, about what what Ben and Dave have been able to sort of construct this season, I think there's reason to be hopeful. Uh, I say that because um, you know I learned it again, not to keep referencing '96, but I, <laughs> I learned it back in '96 uh, uh, that you you can't judge a, a, a season by the first month or two, uh, any season for that matter. Now that's not to to say that you know you can. <laughs> mail it in the first couple of months because not getting points uh, the first couple of months, those are the points that when all of a sudden you do get in gear and you're struggling to make the playoffs, you're getting the right playoff position, uh, you're going to want those those points back. So the season starts when it starts. Uh, but I, I think it, it, given the number of changes this club has um, been through in the offseason, because look, that's what happens with teams. You, you have to change, adjust for uh, a variety of reasons. I, I, you know, I, I think uh, you know, obviously, uh, the Wayne Rooney uh, time ended sooner than we, we thought it would for, you know, his he liked being here, but it was for personal reasons. So uh, so you have to adjust and shift you know, that we go from building a team around him to all right, it's it's going to be a little bit different. And it, it's in the soccer world, I always tell people it's not that um, easy to adjust and shift because you're 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 competing with the entire world for certain players and and you can you know it's not like you're uh any team in major league soccer for that matter it's not like they're manchester city and they can just go out and buy 10 players and and call it a day and, and put it out there and see what happens so you have to to construct a cohesive team and uh you can have the preseason which they did but but that was something that, that ben olsen uh we talked about you know a lot before that first broadcast we did against Colorado that that uh, and and he knew it and was uh, talking about how look this is going to be I hate to use a cliche work in progress but that's that's the reality so I think what what is going to make this interesting um, and, and anytime for whatever reason and you look back at the history of sports that have had this stop seasons certainly not for anything like this uh, it's how you, you once you eventually get playing, um, how you come out of it probably will dictate, you know, how you get going because that train is going to be going fast. It'll likely be, uh, and I say likely, it, it, we none of us know what tomorrow is going to bring. But we, but if it we're we're going to get any kind of schedule in and try to get as many games in, it'll likely be a busy schedule, uh, and th- and that's going to add to the challenge of it. So I, I think that that you know. Uh, Two games, um, we didn't have enough. They didn't have enough to develop and see. It was important to do what DC United accomplished at Miami against Miami. But let, you know, make no mistake, it's not like you say, "All right, well, everything's okay," because you know that was <laughs> that good game. You know, they could have gone either way. 
the point is, you know, you could do all the preseason and, and everything. You just got to jump in the water. And when you jump in the water, there's going to be some turbulent times. It doesn't often go smoothly out of the gate. And Lord knows we've, we've seen examples of teams that go smoothly out of the gate and by July they're done. Yeah, it seems like everyone's going to be in a uniquely bad situation with this sort of stoppage as far as, you know, staying fit, practice, cohesive, like, you know, team philosophy, depending on how long this this continues. I, I think, you know, if we're looking at months, which I think we are, I mean, that's that's the, 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 the everyone's going to be uh, universally kind of hosed from that perspective. I would say teams that are a little bit deeper and maybe teams that have a bit more consistency year to year where they're not having to learn tendencies the way DC, in the attacking third, we're having to just figure it all out here on, on the go. I think that will be a little bit more behind the eight ball. But um, I, we had a lot of listener questions and we've taken up a lot of your time, Dave. And I want to just basically lightning round these so you don't have to, so we can just roll, you know, the man of a million jobs starting at the, before the, before the rooster crows. <laughs> I, 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 I empathize uh, big time. Um, so first question from Rodrigo. This, this one is relevant to us because uh, uh, sometimes we mispronounce names. Have you ever had a player tell you, uh, after the fact that you mispronounce the name, I bet not. I bet you've got your pronunciation guides down pretty, uh, pretty pat. But has that ever happened to you? You know the, uh, um, not that I can think of, but but uh, the only the only time, and it was because it was actually it was a signing, uh, Russell Knauss, uh when he was signed. It happened so quickly, and the I, I didn't even have a chance before the first time I called him, um, and I was told it was. Canoes, I think. And so I think for one game, we, we did that. That's the only thing that, that um, comes to mind. And, and, but, but he didn't, you know, tell me personally, it was, it was uh, uh, afterwards, it just was relayed to me, not after the game. It was like two days later. They, because, but, but that was a, a case where he was signed so quickly. And I did, you know, check and think we had it right. And we didn't have it right. But, but I've never had a, uh, um, a player that I can think of uh, uh, come to me and, and say you're you're saying my name wrong. Uh, you know this this past season with the Wizards, we've had a we had a player Andres Pashasniks. <laughs> that may be the toughest name I've ever had to say uh, because if you look how it's spelled, it it it'll it'll give you it'll give you nightmares. But it's um, you know have I ever you know mispronounced a name on the air? Oh yeah, I've, I've, you know. If you, if you want to make a highlight reel of Dave Johnson mistakes, we could probably uh, you know sell it on eBay and make good money. I think I think that's that's a player you're hoping doesn't get too many minutes. If if I'm if I'm you, <laughs> last man on the right. bench. Right. Let's just keep him in case of emergencies. Um, well, I always tell the story. Giannis Antetokounmpo, the first time he came in to a game when the Wizards played the Bucks was as a reserve, and I and I thought oh, I didn't even have a timeout to get ready for this game. The ball comes over to. Yeah, and, and you know now we say Giannis Antetokounmpo like we're saying Joe Smith, but at the time nobody knew who he was, and uh, we we're like, how many letters does he have in his name? But he's got as many letters in his name as he has points per game. Yeah, I'm, I'm sure. I'm sure people were saying, well, we're never going to have to say this guy's name again, so that's fine. We, we'll learn it for this game, but it, I'm sure it won't come up again. Uh, he also yeah. asked if you weren't in, uh, if you weren't doing the job you're doing, the jobs you're doing <laughs> in the sports industry, do you? Do you know what else you might have been doing? Do you have a do you have a uh, unexplored uh, professional passion that you've not uh, gotten to to run down? No, this is uh, it. It really is a, a good, I'm so blessed that I'm doing what I'm doing. I mean, uh, you know, it's uh, it's it's what I you know. I always tell the story. You know, it's what I did as a kid. I broadcast you know games to to my mother and you know telling some of the story that you know other fathers would probably go to the work and. Uh, be able to brag about their kids doing great athletic achievements. My dad would probably go to work and say, "Well, my son is in his room and he talks to himself a lot." So, <laughs> so it's it's, it's what I it's what I've always done since I'm uh, you know I'm not that much brighter than I was when I was six years old, and and that's I'm still basically uh, doing that. So I, I'm you know I'm blessed to to do what I do because uh, um, uh, and it's not just the, the broadcasting part of sports. I, I, I've always loved um all sporting events where when you think about it for for two hours or three hours or whatever it is uh th that is just such a, a happy and joyful time uh for families or friends to get together and yeah maybe the results not always going to go 
your way. But that that's a that's a that's a shared frustration you have with your 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 fellow uh, supporters. So uh, it it it's just an environment like no other, and and I think it it it, it gives us every kind of emotion uh, that you can think of, and and that's what hooks us, keeps us going back because. Um, you know, that's what keeps us through years when it's not going so well. Uh, yeah, we're frustrated. Yeah, we're, we're upset. But why do we keep coming back? Because we know there's joy at some point because we've experienced that joy. And so, um, yeah, I'm, I'm so blessed to be literally in the arena I am in. Dave, I think uh, I think you described the 2013 DC United season right there with that comment. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But we felt joy, right? You know? So that's it. <laughs> DJ wants to know, uh, and this is, I think, I think it's a question a lot of people have. Sort of the philosophy between balancing uh, the interest of your employer, so you've been, a, it's a team broadcast, but then also the audience to make sure you sort of still appear impartial. And he said that, you know, some do better than most, and he wanted to make sure that he thought he thanked you for consistently not being a, not being a homer. So, how do you? I mean. When things are going when things are going good or when they're going very very bad, I know when I in 2013, for instance, I was there for all the home games and watched all of the ones, and I was thinking I was like, how how to not be sarcastic at some of these at some of the occurrences that are happening in this field? How to not get sort of caustic? And you really didn't. But how do you how do you sort of make sure that you are staying true to what the fan is actually seeing versus maybe trying to paint a picture um, that you know maybe in the production meetings like listen. I know this year isn't going well, but we've got to we've got to stay slightly positive. What, what's what's that like? How is that uh, to balance those things? Well, I think it, again, you, you know, you, because your fans, uh, your supporters are are, are uh, you know they're intelligent. You're not going to fool them, and, and nor should you try. So it is again, it gets back to what I said before about about being um, authentic, and, and I think. Um, uh, look, when uh, 2013, when we're, we're losing so many games and, uh, you know, we can't, you know, turn a certain player into a 25 goal scorer when he's not, and we can't say he's not. Uh, so, but ha- having said that, regardless of what the season is, uh, I think, you know, and this is a, the true supporters will, uh, you know, appreciate that, okay, maybe the results are not there, but it's not in, in most cases or in almost all cases, I should say, not because they're not, trying to give their all. And so that's what you appreciate in every season that, that, that they don't start out saying, uh, you know, boy, let's just, you know, stumble through this year and see what happens. They go out. And even in years when, when they know, all right, well, maybe we don't have the, the talent we need, et cetera. Um, uh, you, you still, they still go out there to put on a competitive show. And so from that standpoint, uh, I, I think about, a phrase that, that Thomas Ryan could share with me that Gordon Bradley uh, once said, and and Gordon uh, Thomas Ryan had just gotten traded from Los Angeles to to DC to the Washington Diplomats, and the Washington Diplomats first team they're going to play after his trade was Los Angeles, and he was like any player playing against his old team was all fired up uh, to to play his uh, against his old team, and and Gordon just went over to him to calm him down and said, Thomas, respect the game enjoy the moment. And I think that that can apply to so many things that can apply to life that winning or losing, you respect the game and enjoy the moment. We're still showing up at the game because we want to enjoy the game. We're still hoping that people tune in uh, to enjoy the game. Uh, you know, you, we're not going to start a broadcast by saying, you know, boy, this team is having such a bad year. There's no chance they're going to win. There's really no reason to watch. Uh, but we're not going to you know, sell it like uh, there's you know false hope. You just respect the game, and and you you feel authentic and true to it. Um, and then that's why we do show up. It's unscripted. Uh, you don't know what's going to happen or how it's going to play out. And and so um, and the other point being is is uh, as you deal with these these players and coaches and how much work they put in for all teams and each season and each game. Uh, you know, I think a great advice that I've always told you know people that are broadcasting that don't say anything on the air that you wouldn't say right to someone's face. In other words, if you're going to make a critical comment or, or, or that type of thing, uh, make sure it's done in a way that you would have that discussion with that player. Don't pretend like you're in a, in a bubble. 
It's just like the office guidance of don't put something in an email that you wouldn't say in someone's face, except for right. more public fashion. Exactly. Um, I, I have a more question and I'll let Ted close it out. I feel like, uh, you know, since, since I've been watching since 07, I feel like I have, there have been a number of times where I've watched a player and I'm like, this guy is going to do it. This guy's going to break out and he doesn't for, you know, injuries or whatever happens. Can you think of a player that you remember watching who seemed to have all the tools couldn't put it together, couldn't really perform for the team, and then either went somewhere else and, and and put it together or just sort of fizzled out and didn't actually get a chance to sort of fulfill their potential. Someone, anybody stand out in your mind? Boy, that's, that's, a, um, that's a good question. I, and I, I wish I was better, better prepared Sorry for about that. that. Because I know, I know no, I, I know there, there has to, I mean, nobody jumps out, obviously, right away, but, but I know there, there has to have been one because that's, um, you know that's part of the, the dynamic of uh, uh, of any game where you could say if for whatever reason a player just isn't a fit for that team and, and that dynamic and then they go on uh, to the next team you're like wow you know where did where did that come from uh, and that's that's you know just circumstances and it's look I, I tell people all the time that sports teams are, are are just like offices and sometimes you thrive better in certain office environments and then. Sometimes you you really don't shine. Sometimes you're you're forced to play out of position, and um, it, it really doesn't show your your, your true worth. So, um, I, you know, I, I'm I'm sure there there has been, but but off the yeah. top of my head, I, I can't. Think I, of and you think of, you think of a player like Chris Pontius who who left and was able right. to, yeah. and able to put it together, and that, you know that was you know we talked to Aleko about that too. About he had a conversation with his coach, and it basically was you know, with all the concussion problems he was dealing with, he's like, you, you, I don't want you out of here, but for you, you need to go. This is just not going to be good for you. Right. So I think there's probably been a couple of those over time, but it's, uh, you know, that's, yeah, that's, that's the beauty not, of sports, right. Is not being able to, to pick it. And sometimes it surprises you. Yeah. And, and you'll, you know, I know there's been over the years, examples of players that, you know, have, have played well for an under 20 national team yet. It really hasn't translated, um, to, for 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 DC United on the field, or or uh, you just you, it, it's just one of those things that happens, and and uh, uh, where you, you'll see him like a great example of how it is with with various national teams. He does that with that team, but it doesn't translate in, into league play. And and uh, you know if if I knew the answer to why that would be, I'd be you know on the sidelines <laughs> coaching and not trying to talk through a game. All right, uh, so this is going to, I think, conclude the the free portion of our podcast. Um, we are going to uh, go ahead and uh, go to our uh, full Patreon interview. Uh, if you would like to hear our full interview with Dave Johnson, it's only just a dollar. RFQRefugees.com, patreon.com slash RFQRefugees if you, if you want to be, you know, use a longer URL for some reason. Um, just a dollar, and you can listen to this whole episode. We're going to go into maybe some little some – little, uh, some more topics of interest uh, to, 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 to the game of soccer and, and everything. So, uh, again, if you're still listening to Free Press, we still love you. And, and thank you so much for listening to the show. And uh, we'll catch you all next week. Uh, vamos. Second to none, I